The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E. The song you heard in the intro was entitled Lion Kings. Definitely check out New Day on Twitter at New Day Music. James, we are recording this a day early as you are going to the NBA Combine this weekend. And so if there was a big call up on Thursday, that's why we're not not talking about it. I'm going to be diving into your latest Farm Futures piece, looking at some intriguing arms at the lower levels who are increasing their stock already this season. But real quick, one promotion I do want to ask you about real quick, not a promotion to the major leagues, but Ron Acuna already moving up to double A. I saw he homered too in his first game, and then I think he homered today as well, if I'm not mistaken. So really impressive start for him. I think you have him, what, top top 10 in your top 400? Uh, I think he's just outside the top 10, but definitely in the top 20 uh just kind of moves up his timetable a little bit he was striking out at a above a 30 percent clip at high a so this was a little surprising i guess but you know he was also 
more than holding his own, just if you look at his slash line and stuff like that. So maybe they just felt he could use another challenge. I, I'd be surprised if he got to AAA this year. I would expect him to spend the bulk of the year at AA. I mean, he's, he's still just 19 years old, so wouldn't be surprising if he hit a bit of a rough patch there, but definitely, I think, moves up his realistic timetable to the first half of, of 2018. Yeah, he is a, a really intriguing prospect. I had a lot of bites on him in the one league I have him in, but I'm really hesitant to to move Ronald Acuna. But James, moving on to your latest farm futures piece, going to be looking at a lot of arms who may be on the brink of, of the top 100, maybe the next wave of arms to enter the top 100, guys at the lower levels. And there's kind of a theme with a lot of these guys where you know the upside is high, but kind of inherently with a lot of these arms there's that bullpen risk lingering with pretty much every one of them yeah i mean i i wanted to touch on some pitchers that you might be able to get in in dynasty leagues if your league allows in-season pickups you know guys like guys like tristan mckenzie walker bueller ian anderson sixto sanchez have all really improved their stock in the early going this year but they should all be owned. I mean, they're everyone should be well aware of who those guys are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are off to really impressive starts that either have uh, one really dominant pitch or just a, an attribute that's really intriguing. Maybe a, maybe a couple potential plus pitches, and they're kind of working on that third one, or they're working on their command. I mean, th- there's a reason why these guys did not enter the season as top 200 prospects uh some of them didn't even enter the season in the top 400 but uh they're all doing very intriguing stuff in the early going so let's start with uh sir anthony dominguez interesting name for sure and really impressive numbers so far 38 strikeouts and just 31 innings with Clearwater. now he's 22 so he's a little bit older and some pitching prospects at this stage of his career, but you think the stuff is is really good regardless, and, and that's really what you look for is you know the, the if the stuff checks out, then it doesn't matter as much on the pitching side as it does for hitters in terms of age relative to level. Is the improved control that Dominguez has shown the the most you know intriguing and encouraging aspect of his start to the season? Uh, I just think it's the 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 stuff has really uh, been more consistent. I think towards the end of last year, he would be touching the mid nineties at times, uh, but I mean there were there were other times when just the repertoire looked like that of a, a definite reliever long term. But so far, I think everyone that's seen him this year has just been kind of blown away by. Uh, that fastball slider combo and he's a guy that the reason why he's old for the level is that just he he spent three full years at rookie ball uh kind of you know when he entered rookie ball the stuff was mediocre at best and it you know sometimes it takes these guys a few years to get that velocity up to where it needs to be um you know develop the the secondary pitches to the point where they can regularly get full season batters out and he's just a guy that over the past 12 months or so has has really really developed into a a guy that i think a lot more people are projecting as a rotation arm and in a system like the phillies i mean they they have a ton of guys that 
maybe profile as number five starters and those guys are most of them are, are close to the big leagues but they they don't have you know more than uh you know four or five guys that i think have legitimate number three or better upside and dominguez is one of those one of those pitchers yeah absolutely and Sixto sanchez you mentioned earlier in that organization as well with dominguez and notice he was a, a big riser uh, from the start of the season, as you said, those, those games, those names you mentioned at the top, McKenzie, Bueller, Anderson, and Sanchez, all guys who are, are risers. And it seems like these guys uh, are inching up your top 400 as well. It's, and Vladimir Gutierrez up to 189 on your top 400. Now, I, obviously, I'm a Reds fan, and looking at this 152 FIP, uh, really kind of an elite mark for, for Gutierrez right now, and 42 to 5K to walk. He is 21. I do get some flashbacks to guys like Aroldis Chapman and Rice Iglesias, obviously, given the you know fastball curveball approach. The fact that the secondary pitches are behind those other two offerings, but you note here that this guy is going to be given a long leash to, to develop as a starter. Yeah, I think the big difference between him and Chapman and Iglesias is that those guys, uh, when they when they signed you know they were maybe seen as more finished products or perhaps the organization just was maybe in a rush to get them to the big leagues for whatever reason and so you know especially in Iglesias's uh instance like he wasn't really given a a fair shot to develop as a starter I mean I know he he made some starts but uh you know suffered a injury and was quickly just pegged as a reliever and chapman I, I know part of it was him just not wanting to be a starter i think uh, that was something with, with the glacius too like yeah. just the desire to, to start wasn't really there for those guys and with gutierrez like you send him to high a i mean chapman i think started at double a triple a same thing with iglesias uh gutierrez at high a uh certainly being developed as a starter i mean he's he's shown that he can go uh deep into games he's shown that he can rack up the strikeouts when his stuff is on he's he's not walking guys just the five walks in the 31 innings so i mean he he kind of you know you you want to see you want to hear good things about the change up in the in the coming years to really feel uh confident that he's going to be a starter but just looking at all the things he's doing since entering uh pro ball it, it definitely looks like he has uh most of the ingredients to to remain in that role i mean i think he could also use i I think he could stand to put on a little bit of weight uh you know he's he's only six feet tall but he's really impressed so far i mean you never know where to rank these guys the the pitcher who the international signee who's going to start at at low a or high a who doesn't have that sort of elite pedigree like a yadier alvarez it's it's always tough to kind of rank those guys but uh, you know, I moved Gutierrez up almost 60, 70 spots since the start of the year, and he'll probably continue to climb if he keeps this up. That is very good to hear as a Reds fan that we got some some high-end talent in the system. I mean, I know they have some on the, the hitting side, but the pitching side seems like a lot of a lot of capped upside among among those arms, but we'll see. A lot of downside as well, but that is good that Gutierrez is coming along in his development. Now, you say here that among the high A arms that you spotlight, that Hector Sanchez in the Astros system may need the most refinement with his control, but you also say that he, most have, 
he may have the most upside of the bunch. And you point out too an interesting set that 16 of the 29 base runners he's allowed between low A and high A this year have come via the walk or hit by pitch. And so, I mean, obviously he has a ways to go, but the stuff is, is really, really tough to hit. Yeah, he's he's just absolutely dominant uh, regardless of whether he's walking guys because, you know, unless he walks them home, they're usually not scoring. And it's just going to be interesting to see how patient the Astros are with him in, in developing that control to the point where he can become a starter because it's it's pretty clearly uh, a dominant reliever profile if you wanted to just, you know, kind of throw in the towel on, on getting that control to where it needs to be but i think that they're going to be fairly patient with him because i mean the astros just have so much uh relief pitching talent either in the big leagues or close to the big leagues uh you know they have guys like david paulino or francis martes who might start out as relievers at the very least maybe end up as relievers so i don't think they need to be too too aggressive with a guy like perez uh, he quickly moved up to high A this year. Uh, ton of upside, ton of risk. But you know, when you're in a deep dynasty league, I'd rather roll the dice on a guy like this. You know, he could be this year's Josh Stalmont, who you know everyone was talking about how he he just had no idea where his stuff was going, and then he made some strides towards the end of the year, and then he was seen as a borderline top 150 prospect coming into the year. Uh, Perez has that same type of stuff. If he can just start throwing uh, a few more strikes, he, he would really start to shoot up lists, I think. Moving on, Taylor Hearn has a mounting injury history, and it looked like he was destined for the bullpen when he was with the Nationals. But that, since coming over to the Pirates, he's really gotten back on track. And you, you say here that the, the fastball could be a potential 80-grade pitch from the left side. He's got the slider and the change as well. Change up lagging behind, but that's not really uncommon. Command shaky here. Obviously, like with a lot of these arms, there's bullpen risk, but you know, with this kind of guy with this kind of fastball, even an assignment to the bullpen may not be the end of the world or a death knell for his fantasy value. Yeah, I mean, Hearn and Perez are are very, very much sort of in the same box of crazy upside, crazy risk. Uh, with Perez, it's it's all about the control. With Hearn, it's it's probably you know it's it's the controls a little bit of an issue but it's more so just can he develop that change up and and have a a three-pitch offering but i mean when you have a guy that's six five left-handed can touch 99 as a starter i mean that's and he's he's a big guy too he's not not super wiry so yeah, I mean, if he can just develop that changeup, then I mean, we could be talking, talking about a, a monster pitching prospect here for for the Pirates. And you know, I think if he ends up as a reliever, that's still a really nice uh, guy to have be the second piece of a of a deal like the one they made for Melanson. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is completely unrelated. I don't remember what it was that triggered this memory in my mind, but I was looking up the Lansing Lugnuts schedule last night just because i wanted to see if vlad jr would be in the midwest uh, in these parts anyway anytime this season i know they're, they're stopping by uh, south bend can they get taken on the trip to south bend uh i don't ever want to do that in my life i know they have a home matchup against the, the local team here the uh whatever the, the wisconsin timber rattlers but that is 
in Lansing. So don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see Vlad Jr., but do you even think he's going to be with Lansing for, for that long? Uh, no, I mean, I think Derek and I were actually talking about this on uh, Farm Fridays on the XM show last week, and it's really hard to find a time when he would be within a reasonable driving distance of us and also probably still be at Lansing. Yeah. I mean, I would, ex- I really want to see this kid live and the rest of the blue Jays affiliates are all way out East. So, uh, it's kind of now or never. I mean, we'll, we'll, we might get a chance to see him at like, a. um, you know, we might get to see him at the, the futures game some year or maybe at some, some all-star game, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a chance he's still in the Midwest league for the Midwest league all-star game. And we go, we go check that out, but I'd expect him to be at high a for a good chunk of the season. Yeah. Same. It's, it's disappointing, but I do think we should probably get our chance to see Vlad jr. At some point, I just didn't see that the Lansing skipper said that he looks better than his father ever did. Which is what do you uh, do? I don't know high praise, but <laughs> I I also just think, and you know, I saw that he's what top five on your top four hundred now. I just think this kid is special. Ever since I saw that like that back alley Sandlot home run derby he was putting on as like a fifteen year old is just what insane. Do you, what do you think about where I have him on the top one hundred? Are there any guys in front of him that you would you would have him over, or any guys behind him that you would have over him? Because I know, I mean we've been really aggressive on him from from day one so i mean we're probably the still the high side on him but mm. i mean i i think it's it's in, it, interesting to see like i i don't i can't really see a case for him over uh mancada robles or bellinger but uh i mean i guess you could make one and then i think you know a lot of people would question having him ahead of a guy like Rafael Devers or a guy like Ahmed Rosario. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you think about where he is on there at number four? Yeah, that is tough because I am really high on him. I really tried hard in the off season to get shares, but it just didn't happen because it seemed like everybody was, was wise to, to Vlad Jr.'s talent. I think I may be inclined to take him over Robles if we're doing like a draft or something, but you know, he doesn't really have the speed. He does have three steals this season, but speed's not part of the game. So maybe I'll go with the more well-rounded aspect with Robles, but I think it's close. I do like Mankata and Bellinger more than Vlad, though. Obviously, Bellinger helping you right now, and Mankata, the, the raw tools are just through the roof. It's going to – the Robles thing is – yeah, I mean, he's uh, – I've actually gotten questions on Twitter about people that want to know if doing a Robles-Guerrero swap huh. would make sense, and I – I would take Robles just because of the five category potential. Um, and I mean, he, he should beat Guerrero to the big leagues by about a year. Mm-hmm. I would, I mean, Guerrero would have to just really soar through the system to, to kind of come up around the same time. But yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, they're both special, special talents. Yeah. It's, it's going to be going to be interesting to see. I mean, it, is Robles going to go through the same, thing with uh dusty baker that trey turner went through where we're like waiting for months before he gets called up when it seems like he should absolutely be up hey danny's our guy <laughs> danny espinoza he played for months over trey turner right fantastic <laughs> hopefully dusty's i mean not gone as in passed away but just gone from the nats uh by the time i, Robles I think blake trian's 
uh, owners from previously this season would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And all those, you know, Cubs and Reds fans who were there for the dusty eras. So uh, I'm not alone in that. But getting back to your farm futures piece, James, Freddie Peralta, I mean, pretty good numbers, four, 41 to 14 K to walk and just 27 innings. That's a, a really good K rate. But, you know, and you say here that the potential to be a super reliever is there. Is he kind of bring maybe more bullpen risk than a lot of these arms we've talked about? Well, the nice thing for him is that he's got he's got the three pitches. Uh, he can live outside of the zone perhaps a little more than some of these other guys can because his delivery is just so deceptive that yeah, he's got that sort of crossbody uh delivery where you know, it just really kind of fools hitters. I mean, he gets a lot of uh, guys looking in the zone. He gets a lot of guys chasing way out of the zone. Uh I think he's going to be really dominant against righties even if he doesn't develop better control just because of that that delivery and the way the ball just kind of comes in on him. Uh but yeah, I mean, he he's got a he's probably got to throw more strikes. I mean, he's 5 foot 11, so you're you're going to have a lot of skepticism from people ranking him and you know, people just kind of looking at the the fact that he doesn't have like an elite walk grade and he's 5 foot 11 and they'll instantly put him in the bullpen, but uh I I mean, I don't think we're quite there yet. I think he's he just you know, we're going to have to see how he does in the the next couple of years with uh getting that walk rate a little bit more under control. The Brewers have, you know, a handful of guys that probably project better in the rotation. You know, a guy like Brandon Woodruff will, will probably make it in the rotation. Uh, Jorge Lopez is, is still probably a, a back-end starter at worst. Uh, but, I mean, Josh Haters obviously hasn't – he's been walking everybody this year. Uh, you know, I think that they would be – they don't have enough pitching prospects to where I think they would pull the, the plug on him as a starter anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on to low A arms. First one you wrote about here, Adonis Medina in the Philly system. Man, I like that name. Yeah, that's a Adonis that's, Medina. That's an eighty name. That's like a. It's like the cellar door of uh, of prospect names. I like that. Now, the big story with him is the surge in the strikeout rate. He's already got thirty in twenty five innings this year. He never really had, as you noted here, he'd never had a strikeout rate above twenty percent entering this season. So do you know what he's doing differently? Is it just a situation where he's being allowed to use his full arsenal? That's what I've sort of been gathering uh, from, from people like uh, Matt Winkleman uh, who covered the Phillies. He, you know, a lot of what he was being asked to, to focus on in the lower levels prior to this year in, in rookie ball uh, were was fastball command. And a lot of teams will take away certain pitches from you maybe on start to start basis and just say hey like try to get people out by locating your fastball and that's you know that's one reason why the strikeouts are probably down I mean another reason too is he just while he's got these you know the potential for honestly the potential for three or four plus pitches he doesn't he it's not like he had this absolute hammer breaking ball last year that he could just kind of go to whenever he needed to put a guy away uh you know sequencing is something that you know guys sometimes don't really pick up and and kind of figure out until they get to uh 
you know, high A, double A. So that's, that's another aspect of that. But I mean, he's, he's someone who, if you were just going by the, the scouting reports and not the statistics, you know, he's a guy that a lot of people still thought was a, a pretty safe bet to be a mid rotation starter coming into the year. I didn't have him in our, our top 200 just because, you know, the strikeout rates were so underwhelming that you don't want to, but when a guy hasn't even pitched in full season ball yet, it's it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt to that extent and, and say, well, yeah, the strikeouts are going to come. Oh, and he hasn't even faced low A hitters yet. I mean, I think it's it's something you kind of want to see before you, you really push a guy up. But, I mean, he's he's a safer bet probably than, than Sir Anthony Dominguez to, to make it in the rotation. Dominguez, I think, has a bit higher ceiling. But uh, Medina is... I mean, if I was a Phillies fan, I think he, he'd probably be my favorite pitching prospect in the system just because I could, you know, count on him being a, a number three starter for us someday. Now, coming into the year, you looked at, at Logan Allen as more than likely a back-end rotation arm, maybe in the, in the best-case scenario, but you're seeing more upside now given what he's doing at, at the lower levels at his age, just 19 years old. And it does it really all kind of hinge on that the curveball, which you you say is a plus offering? Yeah, I mean, well, so he he was he was a low nineties guy. He's still he's still mostly a low nineties guy, but he's he's you know occasionally sitting ninety three, ninety four. When in previous years it was more uh, ninety one, ninety two. So I think that extra tick on the fastball definitely helps. I think him being left handed, uh, you know, if you're left handed. 93 94 is a, a plus fastball and then if you got a plus curveball to go with it you're going to miss some bats and uh you know who knows what happens with his with his change up and with his command uh i mean he's got to get better at, at throwing strikes it's not really an issue right now because nobody can hit him but you know if he improves those two aspects of his game i think you you could be looking at a number three starter at least and and that's definitely not what uh, anyone thought about him coming into the year so that's this is a guy that has definitely seen his stock increase I mean just look at the K rate that's kind of rare for a, a 19 year old who you know you, you don't see that from a 19 year old and then say oh well yeah he's a back-end guy when he's got the the plus fastball and the plus curveball Dustin May the next arm you wrote about and you describe him as a lanky ginger I can respect that I mean he is six foot six I gotta look up this guy's MO. He's, oh, man. Yeah, he's kind of got a ghost face. <laughs> oh man, you actually sent me this guy's face before when yeah. we were discussing possible faces yeah. of MI. This was a this was a, a goof. You know, I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> serious was about giving this guy the the face of MLB tag over Isan Diaz. No, that was just it was kind of the other end of the spectrum when <laughs> right, we're talking sure. about faces of MILB. Man, I, I I can respect this guy as a as a day walker myself, <laughs> part ginger. Uh, pulling for him, obviously. Now you talk here about the Dodgers' weighted ball program, and you know maybe that more exposure to that benefiting May. But can you maybe fill me in on what exactly they do, and is this a new approach for this organization? Uh, so the, I think there's a few teams that use this. It's, I mean, it's exactly how it what it sounds like. It's you're, you're throwing you're throwing a ball that's that's heavier than a normal baseball in. Uh, practice sessions in an attempt to build up uh, arm speed and it's worked with guys like Mitchell White and Walker Bueller who have already moved into the top 100 this year Walker Bueller's knocking on the door of the top 50 uh, Dustin May 
hasn't been in the organization as long as Bueller, but you know he's same same class as White, uh, just you know a little younger. So I mean, those guys were college arms, so maybe you would expect it to take a little longer for for a program like that to bear fruit for a, for a nineteen year old. And it might not be the type of thing that works on every guy. You know, maybe there are just certain guys that like this is as hard as they're going to throw, and that's that's the end of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's something worth pointing out where we've seen enough Dodgers pitching prospects overperform expectations in in fairly a, a short amount of time that you know if you're going to gamble on a guy I mean I I would you know the Yankees are another team that kind of comes to mind for for a team that that gets the most of guys especially on the velocity side but yeah I mean Dodgers pitching prospects you know it's not a not a bad place to gamble yeah, just put that ghost face out of your mind and take the dive with May if you can. If you can pick up prospects, I think yeah, he's pretty interesting. And man, Julio Urias last night looked awesome. And you mentioned you know others having success with this program. I would think that you know every team would be doing this if it worked. I do trust the Dodgers though that that they're making well, the right call. Well, so the the thing that everyone is you know if you if you know about it and you're not doing it. Uh, one of the reasons is just we don't really know what the negative effects are health wise to to the arm. I mean, this is a you know throwing a baseball that hard is an unnatural act in the first place. Throwing something that's even heavier than a baseball that hard, you could yeah, see I mean, you see those stills and those guys' forearms look like they're about to snap off. Right, like you could see a pretty easy argument that you know, hey, this this is going to be a, the type of thing that gives you more velocity over you know two or three year run, and then you're dealing with an arm injury but i think the counterpoint to that would be well a lot of these guys are just getting arm injuries regardless so why not try to capitalize when you do have them healthy i mean it's it's an interesting debate but um yeah i mean definitely something definitely something to be aware of yeah it'll be interesting to see you know as as the years years go on and more data becomes available to see just how how useful that that program is and if more teams start to to deploy that that technique now tony santillan in the red system really not off to a great start i mean four two eight fip one three nine whip but the control has improved he's trimmed about five percentage points off that walk rate that's good to see you say here that bullpen risk is with him is about as high as any of these arms you've discussed but you think he has the potential to be a, a dominant closer yeah because he he has the potential for 270s and that's that's you know pretty rare even for relievers even starters who get converted into relief i mean you know michael lorenzen robert stevenson those guys don't have 270 grade pitches uh rysel iglesias probably does and that's why he's the best reliever in that that bullpen uh but but santian is so far away and he he cuts i mean he looks the part of a starter i mean six foot three 240 pounds you know if he if he can just cut down on the the walks a little bit in each successive season, then I think, you know, you can start to dream a little bit on him as a starter and, you know, walk rate is still out of control, but at the, I mean, it's worth pointing out that each, each stop, he gets a little bit better there. So it's not like, you know, I remember when like Kyle Crick was in the giants, the lower levels of the giant system, like, Sometimes he would get like worse the next year with walking guys. Uh, I mean, at least Santian's headed in the right direction. It's still well below average in terms of throwing strikes, but he, you know, if he can somehow 
just throw enough strikes to be that kind of Francisco Liriano type of guy where you're you're walking a decent amount of guys, uh, but also striking a ton of guys out. That that could still play over you know 180 innings in the rotation. Pretty impressive outing from Santiano on May eighth. Zero walks after issuing four his previous time out. Meanwhile, ten Ks. So after going one walk or one strikeout, four Ks, he goes ten strikeouts, zero Ks with Dayton. One one of the things I love about him too is that he he works super fast. He's just ca- I do love guys. He that just do that. catches it and then just sets up and he's just ready to go again. Uh, that kind of maybe lends. Uh, further credence to the idea that he's still just a thrower and not quite a pitcher yet. But I mean, I, I think he's he's a fun guy to watch. If, if for nothing else, then you know he's not going to be really laboring out there. Yeah, look, I don't like a lot of these pace of play measures MLB is adopting, but I do love when guys work fast, you know. And I hate when guys work slow. That's why it was disappointing to see Urias lose his uh, his win yesterday. But I kind of always am tickled a little bit when Pedro Baez. Gives up a run, <laughs> and that guy is just annoying. Yeah, good I mean, pitcher, but I hate watching him pitch. <laughs> yeah, no, I nobody like. I don't even think Dodger fans like him. <laughs> I don't think so at all. Now, a guy just inside your top four hundred, final guy you wrote about for this week, Bryce Wilson. He's with Rome now. This Brave system, I mean, kind of like the Reds. I mean, they have some some prospects, some decent arms, but not a lot of those super high upside arms. Does Wilson kind of fit that mold as a as a rare super high upside arm in this Brave system? Well, he, I mean, there's just you know, it's not even a stretch to say that there are a dozen more well known and and highly rated arms than than him in the system. And a lot of the, I you know, I, I think they actually do have a decent amount of upside, especially the guys that they've uh, drafted. You know, the guys they've traded for. I mean, Tuki Tucson obviously has a ton of upside. Luis Gohara has got a ton of upside, but I think those guys, you know, it's a, it's a coin flip as to whether they're starters or relievers, but guys like Ian Anderson, Colby Allard, uh, Joey Wentz that they've, they've taken in recent years, uh, all have, you know, number two upside if everything uh, goes the right way. I would say Wilson's more kind of in the, you know, maybe he could be a number three if everything goes the right way, but yeah, I just wanted to throw someone out there for, you know the the uh, the rest of the guys were all inside the top 300. Wilson's just a guy for people in in super deep leagues that are looking for a guy that that might still be available. He's probably going to still be available for quite a while just because he is like the 14th or 15th most notable name among the arms in this system, but I mean he's he's off to a really good start. He's a guy that <clears throat> I remember John Coppolella saying before the season was someone to look out for on the the pitching side for them so i mean i think that the organization's very high on him even though he was he only got the fourth highest bonus of of all the pitchers they took in last year's draft behind anderson wentz and, and kyle muller but you know this is a guy that's off to a really nice start he's he's got the plus fastball it's a pretty easy delivery easy mid-90s gas and uh there's a chance that he could develop uh his slider into a, another, you know, maybe above average pitch, and and we kind of see what happens from there. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us. Check out the full write up for yourself, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial if you don't have a subscription. James, great stuff as always. Enjoy the trip, and we'll be back with you next week.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.